Welcome to the Ragged Scratch podcast. I'm your host, Natalie. This season has flown by. We're at the final episode already. I hope you've enjoyed the offerings this time around as much as I have, and we've got another smashing couple to finish us off. It was International Women's Day on Sunday, just gone, and these two pieces were both written by women, edited by women, and feature some incredible female characters. Later in the episode, we follow a small team of astronauts dealing with the consequences of a mission gone wrong in Enrich Earth, and I chat to writer Jude Reed about her many forays into genre audio fiction podcasting. First, though, hairdresser Julia prides herself on being a vault for her client's secrets. But should some secrets be told? A Cut Above was written by Tasmin Pinder, directed and edited by Lorraine Ansell, and stars Mary Tillett as Julia. Hello, a cut above. Oh, hi. Yeah. Nah, nah, totally dead. Two days. Just dreadful, sweetie. Absolutely useless. On her mobile half the time, talking to Harry or Tony or Adam or whatever poor sap she's roped into. Hold on, just a second, sweetie. Maria! Maria! My colleague will attend to you in just one moment. Maria! Your twelve o'clock's here! Christ, that girl. I'm going to have to go, sweetie. There's a customer. Oh, I know. God knows where she is. Stuck here basically by myself all morning. Well, exactly. It should be. I'm worked to the bone. <laughs> yeah, probably. Lucky escape. Came in from Emily Maitlis. Ended up with Annie Lennox circa 1987. <laughs> yes, I bet they did get a shock. Not the type to sue, sweetie. Too polite. Mm-hmm. Sob him. Went through the entire box of Kleenex. Full refund, yeah. Oh, <sighs> Look, I really must go, hun. This one is shooting daggers. Hmm. Entitled middle class sort. Yeah, typical. Oh, you too. Bye bye, sweetie. Love to Jack. Big hugs. Mwah. Mm. Oh, I'm so sorry about that. My colleague is supposed to be here, but I'm not sure where she's got to. She's Spanish. Seems to run on Spanish time, I suppose. Probably <laughs> taking a siesta or something. Anyway, what would you like today? Oh, well, that does sound exciting. To how many people? Goodness, you must be nervous. Something a bit special then, but classing like me. <laughs> oh, well, then let's have a look for some inspiration. Oh, no. Oh. No. 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 Mm, not with your face shape, hun. Oh, maybe. On second thoughts, no. Bit young for you. Might be dressed as a lamb. <laughs> oh. Oh. Just let herself go a bit. Oh, what's she done to her lips? 
Nice jeans. Oh. No, no. Oh, well, that was a complete waste of time. You don't mind if I smoke, do you, sweetie? Helps me focus, gets the old creative juices flowing. I've got it. Half head highlights. Yes, you look like you could use a bit of colour in your life. People will think you've just got back from a weekend in Ibiza. <laughs> mm. Sit in that chair, hon. Hold those foils for me. Here we go. I'll just mix the peroxide. Ooh, love that bag. Hermes. Oh, my late husband Frank, God rest his soul, got me a Hermes bag one Christmas. Well, knock off from the Bangkok market, but still looked just like the real thing, you know. You what, sweetie? Yes, it does a bit. <laughs> Burning? No, no, perfectly normal. It's just stripping the colour out. Three years this September. Poor old Frank. We'd gone on a mini break to Alton Towers. It'd always been Frank's ambition to make love on a roller coaster. Who would have thought his pacemaker would give out during an act of carnal embrace on the spinball wizard? Children crying, mothers screaming. I've never liked theme parks. Right, sweetie, I think we're about done. Let's just take these foils off you, hun. Oh, no. Oh, no. I mean, it's, well, it's a distinctive shade, really. Uh, look, I'm, I'm going to have to be honest with you, sweetie. Your hair hasn't responded exactly as I'd expected, but perhaps if you side parting or a, or a hat Maria we'll just say 15 thank you doctor have a great day do come again we get all sorts in here that's part of what I like about the job see I'm good with people they just seem to feel comfortable sharing things with me. Oh, they gabble on about their husband's problems with booze, but they also share other things, more intimate things. Everyone needs someone to listen, and it's what people don't say as much as what they do. I suppose it's kind of an inversion of Samson when they sit in this chair. Every vulnerability on display, and I snip, snip, snip away all of their problems. Except this one little girl. Pretty thing. Curly dark hair. Dad used to bring her in after school. First time she came here, she cried. Of course, I told her it would all grow back. Her dad was saying, don't be such a baby, you're a big girl. And she sat there, giving me this look. Sent a shiver right down my spine, to be honest. To this very day, that look sticks in my mind.
Frank never wanted kids. And so we... Anyway, that was a lifetime ago. 25 years. I've tried to give up smoking these over the years, but to be honest, I like it. Helps me focus. That little girl, you know, she never once spoke to me when I was cutting her hair. Sat there in silence, totally still. Early July last year it was. She was wearing this thick grey woolen sweater. Well, I thought that was very odd. Felt sorry for the poor thing all wrapped up in the sweltering heat. I said to her, why don't you roll up your sleeves, hon? She just shook her head. Nope. So, like I always do, pinned back her fringe with the butterfly clip and... Well, that was when I saw the bruises. Two large reddish-purple splotches just here above her right temple. I put my hand on her shoulder and she was shaking. I mean, her whole body. Was it someone at school, sweetie? She stared at me, silent, giving me that look of hers. So I finished the cut. Perfect, angle bob. And she smiled at me in the mirror, all wide-eyed, all gap-toothed, happy. Her dad came in and we... we didn't, I mean... I mean, it wasn't my place to say anything. Not my business. I mind my own. A vault. Never saw that little girl again. Him neither. I do sometimes wonder if... But nah, I think they must have moved out of the area, must have gone away. <laughs> Hello, a cut above. Hmm. Tuesday afternoon, sweetie. I'm here with Tasmin Pinder, the writer of A Cut Above. Hello, Tasmin. Welcome to the Ragged Scratch podcast. Hi, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. You've literally just been sat in the room listening to A Cut Above being recorded. How was that for you? Yeah, really fantastic. It's yeah. a great experience, yeah. And this piece, um, for people who don't know, so you applied last season. Oh, okay, so we are in a music studio, so you might be able to hear some drums and cymbals in the background. There you go. Uh, so... You originally applied with this piece last season and then I couldn't quite squeeze it in but I wanted to have it in this season but in the interim you had it performed at Stitch and Fiction uh, run by some friends of mine. I direct for Stitch and Fiction quite a bit so I actually saw Mary do it at Stitch and Fiction so we got her on board to do it today so that, that was really nice to have her involved as well. Yeah, yeah, great. And so this was a, a trimmed down version from the version the rehearsed reading at Stitch and Fiction. Yeah. Um, so it's just a lot shorter, um, but I think it maintained the tone of the original piece and the mood of the original piece and lovely to have Mary do it again. Yeah. So. Was there anything in particular that you looked at when you were cutting it down to make it shorter for this? Was there anything... How was that for you as a learning process, I guess? So it's quite interesting because um, there were elements of the backstory which I felt that I could lose but still not lose too much material. Um, mm -hmm. So it still made sense as a piece and still functioned as a piece um, 
in its entirety with without the um, supplementary information. Mm. So I managed to um, get rid of a lot of the detail, um, and I think it's a sharper piece because of it, actually. Cool. Yeah, I think that's that's good, actually, when you're challenged to make things shorter. Sometimes it can actually bring forward the important bits of Applied yeah. Econet. So we don't know much about you. Could you tell us a little bit about you, yourself, and your writing background? Sure. Um, so I've always written, but it's only really over the last year that I've been showing stuff to people and I've had pieces on a few new writing nights around London and Birmingham and Wakefield and I've got um, a little monologue on in New York coming up too. So. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah, exciting. Cool. And what's your favourite thing that you've written before? Um, I did a piece for a scratch night about a magic vicar. Um, who does magic tricks in the pub and that was fantastic because we got a consultant magician on board as I wrote it I oh, kind of cool. thought the tricks would I don't know just be done by the director with the trick of the lights or something I hadn't yeah. really thought about how it would function on stage but um, she got this uh, guy in and so it was all done as was in the script and we had glasses of whiskey appearing and disappearing cards vanishing and appearing again it was amazing it was that so sounds good really cool. and was that a monologue as well no that was um there were three actors in that piece right so i was going to say as well do you have a particular genre or style that you keep going back to so i tend to write um comic pieces or quite dark comedies mm-hmm. um and recently have been writing a lot more monologues um that's not any particular strategy or preference as, as such, rather than just the just what I'm writing at the moment, yeah. I think. And so going back to A Cut Above, Julia, it's, I mean, she's a fantastic character study, right? You, you don't have to say who, I wouldn't dare <laughs> ask you to, to reveal, but is there anyone in particular that she's based on or just archetypes or was it just something that came out whilst you were writing? Um, ooh. A few years ago, a good few years ago now, I had um, a hairdresser in Swansea who was fantastic. She had this beautiful beehive haircut. She used to wear pillar box red lipstick, quite glamorous in a way. She's quite comfortable with smoking in my face whilst cutting my hair. Wow. Uh, Yeah, so kind of based on her to an extent, but I also feel that there are elements of the traditional British soap character. like um, she wouldn't be out of place in Coronation Street um, and maybe a bit of Patsy from Ab Fab in there as well. Love Love a bit of Ab Fab. Brilliant. So do you have anything else coming up that you want us to shout about? Um, Well, I'm writing a one act at the moment. um, So I'm just working on that. I'm also assistant directing for Arrows and Traps, Oh, Which really? It's great, yeah. So you know Chris Tester, who is in one of our other pieces. Oh, I didn't know he was. Yeah, great. <laughs> yeah he's in a piece that I'm directing. Oh, actually. great. Um, yeah, we've got um, a play coming out about Charlie Chaplin, the life of yeah. Charlie Chaplin. Maybe he's already said all this. Um, he's not being interviewed, so okay. you get to be the one that takes <laughs> okay. ownership of the, uh, the information. It's very exciting. It's um, sad and funny and charming and heartbreaking. Um, and all that stuff. So that's on, ooh, at the Broccoli Jack from the 4th to the 22nd of February, um, and then on tour around the UK after that. Cool. Unfortunately, that is uh, before this piece is going to be aired on the oh. podcast, but I will be shouting about it anyway because obviously Chris is in it and you're involved, so I will let people awesome. know. So, yeah, if you're listening to this now, 
it happened in the past. But <laughs> hope you saw it. <laughs> yeah, hope you saw it. It was good. It was great. I'm sure. <laughs> cool. And if people want to follow you in your work, do you have a website you want social media at all? Facebook. And I'm thinking about Twitter. <laughs> so. Twitter. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, otherwise, just keep an eye out for um, new writing nights, I think. Cool. Thank you so much, Tasmin. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thanks to Tasmin, Lorraine and Mary. The interview with Tasmin you just heard was quite short, so I was able to fit the whole thing in. But some of our writer interviews are much longer. And if you'd like to hear the full-length versions, remember you can do so by supporting us on Patreon. Just head to patreon.com slash raggedfoils. And thank you so much to those who have been able to support us so far in the series. It means we're going to be able to set up a proper website for Ragged Foils to host the podcast on, and it will make it easier for more people to find us. I'll also be setting up a mailing list, not to clutter your inbox up with nonsense, but simply to let you know when we're next opening up applications for short plays, directors and actors. We haven't set a schedule for season three yet, but it will be later this year, and any pledges received between now and the start of season three production will be put back into getting the podcast out to you, covering studio hire, hosting and supporting our creatives' travel expenses. Now, the director of our next piece, Andrew Spooner, is also an actor and voice artist and has been pretty prolific recently, if you've not been following him on social media. You might have caught him as Flat Alistair in Mackenzie Crook's TV adaptation of Wurzel Gummidge earlier this year. And you can also hear him in Audible's Alien 3, Alien Sea of Sorrows and Terry Pratchett's Unseen Academicals. There's a reason I paired him up to direct this next piece as we delve into the sci-fi realm in Jude Reed's In Rich Earth. Edited by Kirsty Gilmore and featuring performances from Michelle Moran as Atwood, Lisa Rostwelling as Shelley and Earl Figuracion as Butler, we also hear a little cameo from Andrew as Mr President. No, don't turn it off yet. They're cutting contact. It's over. I know. I just wanted to hear it to the end. Come on, Commander. Last broadcast you're going to hear from Earth. We owe it to them to listen to the whole thing. If you say so. 
been a pretty tough choice knowing what to play. I mean, you can't go too cheerful or people will think you're not taking it seriously. Too gloomy and you're losing the whole sad but proud of our heroic explorers thing. Maybe they're right. Go with the tried and tested mournful trumpet. So, what do we do now? Any orders? That's a negative. I think the time for orders is past, don't you? So what's the plan? We just wait? That's one option. I make it about 12 hours until the CO2 in here rises beyond tolerable levels. Then another eight hours in the suits, as long as the scrubbers keep working. And then that's mission complete. Shit. 20 hours. Best case scenario. Or if you prefer, there's these. Suicide pills? How many do you take? One should be enough. I suppose you could take extra to be sure. No point in saving some for later. Or we could open the airlock and vent the hap. That'll be quick. Yeah, I'll pass for now. Thanks. You've got this all planned out, Commander. Always prepared, right? I'm sorry it's come to this. But we had to have a plan in place for this sort of situation. Hey, no big deal. We knew the risks, right? Do you think they'll reopen radio contact? Privately, I mean. I don't think so. There isn't a great deal more to say. I don't know. I mean, sorry we can't bring you home would be a good start. Or we're thinking of you, even just, I don't know, letting us know we're not alone out here. It's all been said, Shelley. No point in drawn-out goodbyes. No one you'd want to say goodbye to? Nothing more you want to say? I'm good. Surface module. This is command module. Do you copy? That's affirmative command module. Reading you loud and clear. How's the air up there? Clear skies and calm waters. How are you two holding up? Just fine down here. Don't you have somewhere you need to be, Lieutenant? I reckon I've still got a little time, Commander. Didn't want to leave you two alone down there. That's a kind thought, Lieutenant. But you get on with your mission. Orders are to get you home safe, all right? Message received, Commander. But I've got some time on my hands. No one I'd rather be spending it with right now than you two. You planning on popping down with flowers and a bottle of wine? (laughs) I wish I could. Listen up, Lieutenant. The longer you stay in orbit, the more chance you have of running into trouble. You're not safe up there. I'm seriously... Take it as an order. Go home. Message received and understood, Commander. If I may? Go ahead. I'm so sorry. I should be down there with you. I wanted to be, God. I was so jealous when I drew the short straw. You deserve better than this. I'm sorry it's you and it's not me. That's just the way it goes sometimes. You don't get to be the big hero. No cause for guilt, Lieutenant. We all knew the risks. Get home safe. That's enough for me. Can I? Do you want me to take any messages back for you? Thanks, but no. I've said everything I need to already. That's a copy, Commander. Shelley, 
Lee, if you get the chance, could you tell my kids it's okay? That I wasn't scared? And that I love them. And that won't ever change. I'll tell them. I promise you they'll know. Uh, look, I've got a clear channel back to control. I can ask them to reopen comms with you. It's not right. They shouldn't be cutting you off. Not now of all times. No, thank you, Lieutenant. That will be all. Clear? Yes, Commander. I just... I wasn't finished. There's nothing more to say. Yeah, not for you, maybe. I get the whole big damn hero thing. I really do. But just because you want to die on your own out here doesn't mean I should have to. It's not about what I want. It's not about what I want either. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be looking down the barrel of my last 20 hours stuck on this shithole planet. I want to go home. I want to see my kids grow up. I don't want to die, and I don't know why. It's such a big fucking deal to you that we do it utterly alone. It's mission protocol. You signed up for that the same time I did. Oh, you can fuck your mission protocol. I don't remember instructions on when to take your suicide pill because the engine clogged up with dust and won't get back into orbit. I don't remember a section on what message to send back to your partner when you're not coming home. What do you say to your kids? In retrospect, that's looking like a pretty significant fucking omission, wouldn't you say? What do you want then, Charlie? You want an open line back to control? Fine. You get back onto Butler and you say that. Who do you want to be put on the other end for your last few hours? What happens when the CO2 gets to your brain and you can't think straight anymore? And the last memory your kids have of you is you crying, gasping for breath until the radio goes quiet? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you can hold it together. Maybe it's okay for you. But I can't do it, Charlie. I don't want my last minutes recorded and kept in a NASA file. I want my family to remember the hero who went off on a great voyage and was lost in the stars, not scared and angry and dying far from home. Do it. If it's what you have to do. But I can't. I'm not ready for this. Any of this. I'm not sure I am, either. I'm sorry, Charlie. This is all my fault. Nah. We can blame NASA and their shitty engineers, or surface dust, or... Gremlins in the works, bound to be their fault. What do you think? Is it time? I think... Maybe not yet? Commander, do you... feel like a walk? Like Captain Oates? I'm going out and I may be some time. Maybe. It's just, I reckon in another six hours, the sun's going to be coming up. We could get a damn good view from that ridge to the south. If we suited up and set off now, you'd be there in plenty of time for it. Yes. I'd like that. 
Bowie. What? The music. I'd have liked some David Bowie. Life on Mars. I'm here with Jude Reed, the writer of In Rich Earth. Welcome to the Ragged Scratch podcast. Hello. Hello. So we'll have just heard In Rich Earth. It's the last play in our lineup this season. Could you tell us a little bit about you and your writing background, please? I've written for a long time, kind of informally, but it's been about a year now since I decided I was really going to focus on my my writing. Um, so over the course of 2019 and now into 2020, I've been making a real focus to write and submit work for publication. Um, and actually in Rich Earth, I wrote quite early on in the year initially as a stage play, but adapted it for radio when, um, when I saw that the call had gone out for Ragged Scratch. Prior to that, um, the main thing I've been working on was um, my audio drama, which I co-write along with Chris Edwards, um, and that's called Tales from the Aletheian Society. And it's about uh, a group of uh, inept, bickering Victorian occultists in Glasgow in 1872. So that's most of what I worked on before, you know, prior to this year. Oh my God, that sounds right up my alley. Is someone making that? Are you, yeah, are you, pub- you doing it as a podcast? Yeah, we release it as an indie podcast. Is that out so now? It is. Yes, there's three seasons and we're working on a fourth season at the moment. That is going on my list, list straight away. Amazing. So uh, so you've been writing kind of more intensely for, for the last couple of years, you say. Is the Aletheian Society your, your favourite thing that you've got stuck into or do you have any other little kind of gems here and there that you're like, yeah, I'm really proud of that? Um, well, certainly Aletheian Society, I think, is the biggest body of work that, that we've produced. I'm obviously very proud of that. And also because it was the thing that, that really got me started writing properly again. Um, I've recently been taking on, taken on as a writing trainee on Zombies Run, which is my ah. current exciting project. So um, working on some stuff for them at the moment, which is great. Um, and other than that, it's mostly been short fiction that I've been doing. I guess my favourite of those... Um, was in an anthology called Haunted Voices, which is uh, an anthology of Scottish Gothic storytelling. Mm. So it came out simultaneously as an audiobook and as a as a book. Um, and it, it's all um, tales inspired by and by people living in Scotland or from Scotland, including some traditional sort of folk tellings of uh, of horror stories from the archives of Edinburgh University. So that came out relatively recently, and that was a really really good thing to be involved with. So in Rich Earth, when I read it, I absolutely loved it. Uh, all the characters when you wrote it were completely gender neutral, I, I noticed. But when I read it originally, I, I kind of had to go back and flick back through to double check that they were gender neutral. Because as I read it in my head, I absolutely pictured Atwood and Shelley as women. 
this, this was maybe like through the tone of the language or I don't know, probably more likely just from my personal love of strong female commander characters in sci-fi. But was this something you were conscious of when you wrote the piece? Um, I, I was trying very hard to write all of the characters, possible exception of the president, as explicitly gender neutral because I didn't want to put my own my own preconceptions onto it. I suspect if you're hearing them as women, it may well be just my voice coming through in it. But I was I was absolutely delighted when um, when Atwood and Shelley were both cast as women. I was I was really pleased with that. Um, I think that's I think that's a very good thing. I didn't give you this question in advance to prepare, but do you have a, a kind of a favourite awesome woman in sci-fi? Um, yeah, Ellen Ripley. I think yeah. pretty much a formative influence on me. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so going a bit macabre, Desert Island Discs route, if you could pick a view to see and a song to hear to be the last things, like if you were in Atwood and Shelley's position, what what would you want to be the last thing you saw and the last thing you heard? Oh, that's quite a tricky one. Mm. Um, I think I'd be happy enough with the view from, from any of the Munros in Scotland that I've been up on a clear day when you can mm. see just that sense of vastness stretching out. And I, I wonder if that's what I was thinking of when I was thinking of them, sort of thinking, seeing the sun coming up over the far mountains, that kind of vast expanse of landscape. Um, and I'm not sure what I would like to hear. Um, I think maybe just enjoy the silence. Yeah. That's a really nice answer. Do you have anything else apart from the Aletheian Society coming up? Um, I was a writer on a, on a podcast audio drama called Novotero, which has just come out. It's not not my show, but I, I did a lot of the writing on that, which mm-hmm. was which was good. Um, we've got another audio drama called Yesterday's Heroes that's currently in production, and that's um, very classic high fantasy. And it's about a group of washed up old retired adventurers who are pulled out of retirement for one last mission to go and save the world once more. We're, we're currently um, finishing off the scripts for that. So fingers Amazing. crossed we'll that over the course of the year. Um, and other than that, just chipping away at my, my usual short story pile. <laughs> Do you have a website where people can find stuff or what, what, what's your social media handles? Well, I'm fairly bad at social media. Um, you can find uh, the Lithian Society at www.hunterhoose, that's spelled H-U-N-T-E-R-H-O-O-S-E.co.uk. And that's got um, some links to some of our stuff on it. And on Twitter, uh, I'm at JudeReed15. Very catchy. Well, thank you ever so much for being on the podcast. And I look forward to uh, to hearing all of your amazing projects that you've got coming up soon. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Thanks again to Jude, Andrew, Michelle, Lisa and Earl for their work on this piece and to all of our creatives involved in this season. The Ragged Scratch podcast will return later this year, but in the meantime, do keep an eye out on our social media posts for news and updates because we have other exciting projects in the works. That's it from me and we'll be back again soon. The Ragged Scratch podcast brought to you by Ragged Foils Productions was produced and hosted by Natalie Winter. The recording engineer was Kirsty Gilmore, play edits by Lorraine Ansel and Kirsty Gilmore, and episode edits by Natalie Winter. The Ragged Scratch podcast theme music was composed by Alex Jones. Thanks to our duelist, swashbuckler and savant-tier Patreon supporters John Grayson, Lizzie Wilding and Ruth. You can find us online at Ragged Foils across Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, where we've been tagging this week's creatives so you can find out more about them and their work. See you next time.